Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's. You may know Roosevelt's as the company who makes those rad all-over print button-downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but t-shirts, they do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. Hey, everybody. I'm Emperor Palpatine. Ooh, <laughs> scary. No, 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 no. Hey, guys, I'm Ryan Key. Hey, Adam and Ryan. It's Nick. I'm in Nashville. We just finished rehearsing, and I've barely watched The Bad Batch this week, so I'm excited to hear what happened. Look what you did, you little jerk. <laughs> We're going to tell you all about it. Going to tell you all about it. Being in central time definitely screws with me staying up to watch it. I barely was awake at 2 a.m. to watch it and fell asleep for the second episode, so... You know what you yeah. tried, though? I tried. You, you tried, and that's it means a lot to us. It's dedication. It means a lot to us. Thank you. Just that, trying to make you guys happy. Nemec wants you to try. Yoda might not, but <laughs> Nemec does. All right. We have no time to waste, but before we do Stolen Plans, I will remind you that this is one of three doubleheaders this season. We had the two-episode premiere, obviously. We have this mid-season double episode, and then we will have a two-episode finale as well. This is no accident. These episodes belong together. They were some of the best yet in Bad Batch as far as I'm concerned. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. This was top-tier Star Warring. 100. Let's get into it. Let's get into Stolen Plans. What have you done with those plans? The Bad Batch, Season 2, Episodes 7 and 8, The Clone Conspiracy, and Truth and Consequences. Debuted today, February 8th, 2023 on Disney+. Plus. Disney Plus descriptions, first episode, a conspiracy begins to unravel. Duh. Second episode, brought into a risky mission, the Bad Batch must use stealth to survive. Also true. Episode 7 is written by Ezra Knackman. I'm going to say Knackman. N-A-C-H-M-A-N. That'll pass. Ezra was a staff writer on 31 episodes of an NBC show called Manifest, which many of you probably know of. This is his first solo writing gig. Interesting. Directed by Nathaniel Villanueva. Done a lot of these. Episode 8 was written by Damani Johnson, who wrote Season 1, Episode 14, War Mantle, and uh, 26 episodes of the TNT show Major Crimes. So he's been around. 
Directed by Stuart Lee, another familiar name. Runtimes on these are 28 and 30 minutes. Guest starring Phil Lamar as Bail Organa, as he's been for a long time. And he also did the voice of Senator Riduli. Phil Lamar is, of course, Marvin from Pulp Fiction, most famously to us. He got shot in the face. Jennifer Hale returns as Senator Ryo Chuchi and the Commerce Guild Senator as well. Ryo Chuchi's a character who's been around since season one, so we've heard Jennifer's voice many, many times, her beautiful Kiwi voice. Noshir Dalal is, of course, Vice Admiral Rampart and does a Pantoran guard's voice in one of these episodes. Stephen Stanton does Masa Meda. He was Admiral Radus in Row One, Obi-Wan Kenobi in Rebels, and Tarkin in The Clone Wars and The Bad Batch, so he's been around forever. Dude's a legend. Sharon Duncan Brewster as the voice of Senator Pomlo. That's the same actor who portrayed this senator in Rogue One. So she's the hooded African-American character who doesn't have a lot to do in Rogue One. She's there in, in, like in the war room. She's around, but she's featured not so um, unprominently in the beginning of this episode in, in the Senate Hall. So great to see her. And then, of course, the legend, the greatest Sith Lord of all time, returns as Emperor Palpatine, Ian McDermott. Dude killed it. All right, first impressions. Ryan Key, since uh, <laughs> you're the one of the two to ask here, since Nick had his had his stuff. My first impression was that it was real sleepy. <laughs> it's like it was there, and then like it got dark, <laughs> then it wasn't. Ryan, what'd you think? What, you, what was your um, immediate reaction? Just loved it. Absolutely loved it. I think my confidence—not that it ever waned—but my confidence in this show. And the people running these new stories just keeps getting stronger. It's like we do have those occasional adventure of the week pod racing episodes, but I'm not sitting there going, how many more of these? You know, it's coming. You know, this is going to happen. And it makes this that much more effective. This was all time classic Star Wars. We have the Senate. We have spies. We have assassins. We have maybe forced sensitive People, we have Emperor freaking Palpatine, dude. I mean, you guys all know how I feel about him. I mean, we made a T-shirt about it. Yeah, HankTheMakerMerch.com. What's his name? What, what's he considered generally? The greatest Sith Lord of all time. Yeah. So I, I was, I was very impressed just with how special this felt as a Star Wars fan. I, I felt seen. Yeah. You know? I felt yeah. heard. <laughs> I, I, I loved every second of it. I love these characters. The more they evolve, uh, you know, the whole thing with Echo at the end, which I'm sure we'll talk about. What an evolution we've seen him have from the origin of, of when we first met him. And I think Omega is really, it's really cool to watch her as a child seeing this bigger galaxy around her. Um, and I think something that was really special about this episode and in her character particularly was she was very mesmerized by seeing the Senate and Coruscant and how all, all these huge uh, institutions, I guess, uh, and locations that that you so much bigger than anything she's ever known or, or seen. But she still leans so hard into her home world and how important her heritage and her history and her brothers, the clones are to her. And so I think one of my favorite moments in, in both episodes is when she sees the Senate and her eyes are just wide saucers. Oh my God, this is unbelievable. And that's immediately brought 
back down to earth, you know, to brought back down to Coruscant. Right. When she asked the question, well, which one of the pods is, or however she words it, I can't remember exactly, but which one of these is for the clones? You know, which, where do they sit? Where's their representation? Yeah, heavy. And Senator Chuchi replies that they don't have any representation, you know? So I, I think those were really big, one of a few really big moments for Omega in these two episodes. And as I'm always going to, as, as a viewer, I, I gravitate towards this, the more kind of character driven stuff. And I think these, these two episodes were very heavy on that. I guess last thing I would say the unnamed assassin. I really hope I see someone wearing that armor at celebration this year, like with the led ear holes and everything. You will. (laughs) (laughs) That kit was so sick, dude. Yeah. So yeah, I liked it. Nick. I do have one thing that I, I truly did love about what I watched last night and the whole, I mean, Star Wars, like conspiracy, like, like Palpatine conspiring to do what he did to overthrow the, you know, the, the entire galaxy and take control and stuff. I love the idea of them covering up what happened on Camino. I was yeah. like, that's so this era Star Wars, you know, like it is so much like we can't let the truth out. Yeah, st- what they say, a storm, like cataclysmic storm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, all right. Yeah, and there's a moment in the second episode where Bale is talking to Senator Chuchi, and he he's like, okay, so a city that is designed to submerge underwater and has withstood, you know, severe, intense storms for, I don't, does he say thousands of years? I think he says thousands of storms. Thousands of storms or something for hundreds of years. So, something along those lines yeah, is, yeah. is mysteriously wiped out. Interesting. Or yeah. is all of a sudden wiped out or something. Very interesting, you know. Um, and then, Adam, I'm sure you'll get into this in the synopsis, but Nick, since you didn't see it, the coolest twist in this whole thing came in the big reveal when Peepaw Sheev shows up and addresses the Senate. And he totally played Rampart by ordering him to do it because then he, he orders the clones, which, by the way, have half red armor, which is so sick. They're like Palpatine's personal clones having that theme of the guard, the Imperial Guard, you know, with the red. Yeah, yeah. So good. Uh, but he he asked them to, he orders them to take Rampart into custody. And Rampart's like, I was following orders. You know, what what, do you, what is happening? And he just uses it to his advantage. He had it planned the whole time, to your point, Nick. It was always planned because now he gets to say to the Senate, you see, all these clones blindly followed him. He, he could just, I mean, well, he can say whatever he wants. I didn't give him that order. All these clones yep. just blindly followed him into battle and destroyed and killed all these innocent civilians. We have to have a conscripted military the clones are no longer reliable and everyone in the senate is like of course of course we do you're so right we are wrong great you know it's basically like resounding applause he gets Mm -hmm. and and he says stormtrooper for the first time you ever oh dude (sighs) have you ever heard have we ever heard palpatine say stormtrooper before no dude it it, it was so sick dude it It was so so cool so yeah it's it's to, to your point nick again it just he has it all thought out before it even the plan starts. I mean, he's got it's just it's meticulous and, and surgical. It's so good. Great writing, really, honestly. I mean, that's the whole yeah. to have that be running through this whole season and us know nothing about it. And then it all just make perfect sense in that way. Just incredible writing. Dude, and how crazy is it that the writer of this first episode, this is his first like solo writing gig, you know? This dude was a staff writer on a bunch of network procedural drama stuff. And this is the first legit solo gig. So unreal. Be interesting to find out if he's like a massive fan 
a massive Star Wars fan. Yeah. And that, I mean, how could you not be? I mean, maybe not. Maybe actually, you know, devil's advocate, maybe not being a huge fan and just getting the information from from the story team. Here's where we're at. And here's what's happening. Yeah. Allowed him to sort of objectively put together, a, a you know, the roadmap for because there's, obviously there's a lot of information in this. I, I couldn't help but think about how we we joke sometimes about the prequels, like the, the prequel crawl, like, wait, what? Senators and what? Mm-hmm. But galactic politics, what? Star Wars trade embargo. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, and there was a lot of that going on in these two episodes, but it was, it was so cool. And it was cool because it was like prequel vibes. Yeah. And like now nailed it. That's cool. Now, you know, just because I didn't think it was cool in 1999 doesn't mean I don't think it's cool now, especially when, when it's like, okay, more politics, more of the story of how Palpatine came to be and how the emperor came to be like, I didn't know where that stormtroopers came from a bill posed on the Senate floor Yeah, that Palpatine showed up to ensure past. That's amazing. Dude, great, great funny point by Maddie in the patron chat right now. Camino was destroyed by a storm. Cool. I'll name my army stormtroopers. (laughs) (laughs) Real original peepaw. That's good. That's really good. All right, I, I can't I can't say much more about my initial reactions that you guys haven't already said. Aside from the fact that this continues in the tradition of Star Wars, so poignantly laying this undercurrent of social commentary. Mm-hmm. Everything they talk about with the veterans, you know, the clone veterans, and why things happen politically hits so close to home everywhere in the world right now, really, but definitely in the United States. When you think about government overreach and things like that, yeah, you gotta you gotta love the the older crotchety military type dudes who are like, well, they're all just, they're all going to get old super fast anyways. Just let them die. Yeah. You know, they're all going to die soon anyways. Yeah. Brutal stuff. There was something about, there was a mention of there needs to be something done with them anyway because of their accelerated growth, right? Yes. There was like a female, like a senator or something that I do remember. I'm like, man, I'm half asleep right now, but there's some really good points going on. (laughs) I really love that. (laughs) All right, let's get into the synopsis. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 8, The Clone Conspiracy, first of the two, opens on Coruscant in a clone bar. What is this clone bar called? It's the same one from The Clone Wars, right? It looks like, looks like 79, the 79th or something in Arabesh. I don't know. So they're hanging out there doing what they do. Two clones talking about Rampart having lied to the Senate about the destruction of Kamino. They lay out this whole thing that we talked about. Their names are Slip and Cade. Cade feels super guilty, says if we were just following orders as usual, essentially, why is Rampart trying to cover it up? So just further evidence that these guys, despite the, the chip and everything, they really do think for themselves. They have to, to be as skilled as they are. They have to be highly intelligent. So now this far into their lives, it's just, it's all unraveling. It's all starting to make sense to most of them, it seems like. So Cade says he sent a message to Rampart, I'm assuming anonymously, giving him, quote, a chance to tell the Senate the truth before he does himself, right? They leave the bar. Cade gets killed by a sniper. Slip escapes. Back in the Senate hall, the Senate is debating this defense recruitment bill that we've been talking about. 
which would decommission the clones and fund a new conscripted army of stormtroopers. An army fighting for the people made up of the people. I forget exactly how they describe it, but something like that. The people fighting for the people. Yeah, they get that citizen investment. Again, part of Palpatine's master plan to really tighten the reins. Senator Palmo, who you may recognize from Rogue One, we talked about same actor. Uh, the Pantoran Senator Ryo Chuchi that we've been talking about, blue skin, same species as the the character that George Lucas played. We've seen her in a bunch of, a ton of Clone Wars episodes going all the way back to season one. And our boy, Jimmy Smith, Senator Bail Organa are all against the bill. They're in favor of more support for the clone veterans, of not spending money on another war that doesn't exist yet. There's this debate about whether or not they're, just like I said, it hits home about whether or not we're safe, whether or not we need all this military spending, right? But and, and you do have senators that are expressing, however, just the other side of the coin. And I don't think in a ultra militaristic partisan type way, but expressing that's easy for you to say maybe where you live, but where we live, you know, maybe they're farther on the towards the outer rim right. or, or, or systems that are not under the jurisdiction of the empire yet or whatever. And she's saying, uh, I forget that senator's name, but she's saying. We need a military and the clones are, are, you know, I'm sure the subtext there is the clones are going to get old. The clones are not reliable, all those things. So there are senators who are on board, not just blindly, but because there are places in the galaxy that need it. But to your point, Adam, I think like with anything today in the world, it's everything is so blanketed. There's no, Mm -hmm. no one has the ability to break down and dissect what issues need to be dealt with in, in specific ways or locations. It just has to be all or nothing. No nuance. It's, it's binary. Yeah, no nuance. Exactly. And obviously that's how Palpatine is able to uh, wield so much power because he, he just sells the vision to everyone. That said, Palpatine is not present in this Senate hearing. Masameda, though, is there in his place. Ramparts claiming that there are provisions in place. It's a bunch of lip service bullshit. They end up tabling the vote again, right? Masameda and Rampart are talking after about the truth coming out, all the stuff that obviously they're both as in on everything as they could be. Uh, Rampart claims he has provisions in place to make sure that doesn't happen. So it can't just be this one clone assassin. There's so much more to this. We'll maybe talk about this in a little bit. Senator Chuchi then goes to the clone bar to try to talk to the clones about what's happening and assure them that she's on their side, find out what they want and need. They're not stoked about being decommissioned, but... She makes them understand, like, you're going to get old. You haven't thought about life after being a soldier. They get on board. Slip talks to her privately at the end of this meeting, tells her about Camino. We later see Slip radio to someone for help getting out. He's freaked out, obviously. His friend got killed right in front of him. Back at the Imperial Military Headquarters, Senator Chuchi talks to Rampart. He gives her, again, a bunch more lib service bullshit. She asks how he survived the storm on Camino, starts pressing him. He gives her even more bullshit. She then later receives uh, an anonymous message, goes to meet up with that anonymous person, turns out to be Bail Organa. He tells her about the insurgencies increasing, the Emperor's afraid of a full-blown rebellion out of this, apparently, suggests that the Camino Storm was a conspiracy to make way for the Emperor's new army, and she turns around and says, well, yeah, I heard that straight from the lips of a clone who was there, wants him to testify, etc. So back in Rampart's office, he talks to the sniper assassin, via hollow, says to find Slip and kill the senator if necessary. Slip goes to meet this contact that he had been radioing. Senator Chuchi and her guards find him there because she's looking for him as well, right? She wants to bring him in. She tries to convince him to testify, but he tells her 
All she needs is the evidence in the flight logs of Rampart's Venator ship. Ultimately, she doesn't need him. He's scared. He just wants out. The sniper ends up killing Slip mid-conversation, pursues and kills the senator's guards as well. She's on the run. It's They're in this factory. It's like some serious Terminator 2 stuff. Then just as she's about to be killed as well, Rex appears, stuns the sniper. They pull back the mask and discover that the sniper is actually a clone. They take him to this place that Rex knows, which is a garage that, quote, a couple of his friends own. More about that later. Clone sniper wakes up. He won't talk. He won't talk in the sense that he's not going to give them information. Says some wild shit, which we'll quote later as well. Then bites into a suicide pill. He's dead. Episode's over. Show that to your kids. Yeah. Put that in your kid's pipe and tell them to smoke it. Mommy and daddy, can we watch that pod racing show again? Sure. <laughs> Electric cyanide, huh? You don't want the one with the Senate hearing and the, and the suicide pill? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Episode nine, Truth and Consequences, opens with the batch in their hangar. This is the clip from the trailer where Rex calls in the batch for a mission. They go to Coruscant somewhat reluctantly. They meet Rex and Senator Chuchi there. The plan, in short, is for the batch to steal the flight log from Rampart's Venator, which is in the Imperial shipyard being retrofitted. That's interesting. That's probably, uh, do you agree or disagree, becoming a Star Destroyer? I mean, it could be like, you know, you know, you look at like what, like F-18s have been around for what, like 40 years or some shit now. Yeah. And internally, they probably have a lot of stuff that the newer fighters have. Yeah. So that make, yeah, that could make sense in a way. I don't know about aircraft carriers and Star Destroyers and shit, but I know about jets. You know about jets. I do. You're familiar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. List is long and distinguished. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, Let's see. Meanwhile, uh, Senator Chuchi goes back to the Senate to start rallying the people, get other senators on board. Omega goes with to protect her. I mean, really to be a lookout, what's she going to do? I mean, she's got the bone arrow, but they meet Bail Organa there, fill him in on the plan. Senator Chuchi meets with a Kaminoan senator named Senator Bertoni. Have we met the senator before? Do we... Meet her in the prequels? That doesn't sound familiar. Or in Clone Wars? I don't know, but it sounds like a microwave pizza. Yeah. Yeah. From the planet of Italy. Yeah, just pop in another one of those Senator Bertoni pies. Rising crust Bertonis. (laughs) Um, Senator Chucci asks about missing Senate appropriation funds skimmed, apparently, from operations on Camino. Explain that to your kid. Yeah. (laughs) What are appropriation funds? Um, She knew about it. She knew about the corruption. Admiral Rampart was behind the skimming, obviously. He's been skimming that money from the Kaminoan project to use for outside projects, being everything we're seeing so far here, and I'm sure a lot of other great stuff. I'd love to see, like, no speculation. We're going to see cool shit. Omega sort of pleads with her, tells her she's a clone, convinces her to testify in front of the Senate. Because there's a lot of hesitation. Like, I'm one of a few Kaminoans left in the galaxy. What do you care? What do I care? Omega kind of convinces her. The Batch then uh, proceeds with their plan. They break into the Venator. Troopers show up. Shootout ensues. Fighters inbound. Scramble the jets. The whole thing. It's a sick battle. It's awesome. It's so good. Tech ends up, like, hacking the weapon system. Fires the cannons at these things. Like, then fires up the engine. Just choosing chaos on every level. Like the, the thing takes off, it crashes, like the whole the whole Star Destroyer. It's so sick. The batch gets the files. They get into an escape pod because they've got to get over this. There's just like a shit storm happening. They have to get up and over. And the only way to do it is to get in the escape pods, which don't have any engines, but they can deploy them, right? 
the files are in the Venator. <laughs> <laughs> so they launch with the files in the Venator, in the computer. Uh, they launch the escape pod. It pops them over the whole thing. They crash. They get out. They've made it. Everything's cool. I love tech. I was 6.4 meters off. Not my best work <laughs> yeah. on the landing. As they're just like barreling out of the sky to like yeah. crash land. Shut up, tech. <laughs> Back in the Senate hall, uh, Senator Chuchi calls out Rampart on the Kaminoan destruction plot. The Kaminoan senator testifies as well. Crowd goes wild. What the hell? This is outrageous, of course, right? At this moment, Bale shows up at the files. The batch got them to him. He brings them in. They play from this, you know, giant hard drive thing, a hollow of the attack in front of the whole Senate of the Kaminoan attack. This is the, the clip from the trailer that we saw. Like, there's sort of like a, a medium shot of it where you don't see the full scope of it. You just see the explosions. And we speculated it was like very, very close to what's actually happening. Like something that Palpatine's using to sway people. Mm -hmm. But we didn't know it was... This, I mean, dude, what a sick twist. Amazing. So pumped. Palpatine then rises from the bottom, mm. shows up as everyone's losing their shit. You can hear the staff. Oh, I have goosebumps everywhere, dude. It was. Yeah, Masameda's staff just hitting the floor. And like calling order to the court kind of thing. Yeah. And, and you're like, okay, all right, this is happening. And then you see the hood. Palpatine then spins it like we talked about to look like a, quote, cowardly act by Admiral Rampart to further his own agenda. Brilliant shit. I can't wait to watch that. That sounds so sick. Dude, it's so... I, I, <laughs> feel, I feel like Biff in Back to the Future 2 watching, uh, you know, the Western. Bulletproof vest! <laughs> Great flick! Great friggin' flick! The guy is brilliant! <laughs> <laughs> That's what I felt like watching Palpatine. It's just... Yeah. It's so good. It was amazing. And he then claims... Well, he first sort of like chastises Rampart for his treachery, says he didn't act alone. This is the claim he makes. And then claims that now more than ever, quote, the empire needs protection and these events will usher in a new era of the Imperial Stormtrooper. What a moment. Hey, so question as a, I missed this part guy. Um, say when he said he didn't act alone, does that come to fruition in this episode? Or is that like maybe a door open to set someone else up in the future? I think it's, it's one, just to scare people, and two, to plant that seed of suspicion that he could continue to use, I, I would assume. Yeah, that makes sense. You could literally, I mean, when you're a dictator, you just lie, and you could be like, no, this person yeah. right here, we're throwing him in jail. <laughs> and a big part of his pitch to everyone, I think I mentioned this at the top, is see how the clones so blindly followed his orders. Yeah. That they can't be trusted any longer. The twist, man. That's a big part of what he's spinning to the Senate. It's, is that weird, though? Like, what are you saying? So if that's true, then the opposite would be, would you want an army who thinks on their own? Well, like, what is, does that, is that, that doesn't make sense either, does it? I think he's saying an army that would not blindly murder thousands of civilians mm -hmm. on the orders okay. of a rogue officer. Yeah. Where, whereas the clones are programmed to do whatever they're told. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, he's not going to go into that and we're reading a lot into subtext, but he's referencing, look, you just saw this guy destroy this civilization, murder all these people. And the clones just did whatever they told him. Yeah. I think he's putting it on Rampart and just insinuating that clones are programmed to do whatever they're told. Yeah. And instead, if you have an army sort of of the people, by the people, for the people kind of thing. Yeah. That's the better plan. And he he's not even on the hook for the clones to begin with. Mm -hmm. Because the brilliance of his plan from the beginning pinned it all on the Jedi. It was just a sort of like 
that army was a necessary evil in a way that turned out to not work. And it's like, well, we got rid of the Jedi and now we got rid of that army that they made for us that worked, but I have a much better idea. So, you know, it then ends with a full blown Scooby-Doo. Here's what happened and what it all means. Exposition scene, which explains everything we just said, but from the mouths of the clones. And the very last thing, Echo ends up leaving with Rex. Like we talked about earlier, this kind of came out of nowhere. There was a, it was like a little bit of hinting at the very beginning with the, uh, of this episode, the conversation with Omega, right? He's always been torn, though. Yeah. Y- you know, he, he was torn when, when after he became more machine now than man and like w- wondering what his purpose was and where he belonged. You know, I think I- I'm remembering that correctly, right? Earlier in, yeah. in the show, in the story, he, yeah. wasn't, he wasn't like gung-ho to join back up with the Bad Batch. He... He had a lot of questions about his purpose and his role in, in the bigger story. So makes sense. Yeah. Once he was like a droidish kind of clone, he decided to stick with the Bad Batch instead of going and chilling with the other clones. Yeah. Adam, tell me if the, you had a similar reaction to this. Like I was already so my emotional state was so heightened from the Senate scene and hearing Palpatine's voice, the real voice, you know, it was, yeah. I was already heightened. Senses were heightened. So I got a little, I got a little misty eyed in this scene. Oh yeah. I felt some classic star Wars. Like I'm, I'm leaving, you know, all the times we've seen major characters like embrace each other before they have to go their separate ways. But you know, oh, like the last time Han and Leia see each other, the, the you know, when, Chewie freaks out when he's about to go in carbonite and he's like, you, you have to protect the princess, that whole thing. Dude, uh, yeah, I love you, I yeah. know. All the, those types of moments, How what a surface fan I am. I just referenced Han and Leia twice in a <laughs> row in two different ways. I don't know anything about Star Wars if it's not the original trilogy, guys. Noob alert. Uh, but I, I, I felt those emotions. I, I, I felt this, it, it really brought up those feelings of classic again, character-driven Star Wars when they said goodbye to each other. And I was like, am I? Wait, what? Is this cartoon making me misty-eyed? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. I had the, the full gamut of that stuff from fist-pumping, yes stuff, to tears, the whole thing. Like, God, what a pair of episodes. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Strong men also cry. <laughs> I mean, we kind of watched, you know, Clone Wars and Rebels and all this stuff in like a condensed fashion. But you imagine spending like five years with Echo and Rex and all these people like watching the Clone Wars, like legitimately season to season. And then the emotions you have when it comes back like twice, wow. basically. And now they're in the Bad Batch. It's like there, there's a solid decade here, more than that, really, of having a connection to these. So, of course, you're going to cry. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Lucasfilm Associates. Uh, speaking of crying, the final moment with Omega, she's super bummed, obviously. It, it's really between the two of them because the rest of the guys are like, good luck, Echo. Kick rocks. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out, you know? So she's super bummed. She's crying. He kind of di- diverts her emotions, tries to redirect, and it's like, look, keep up with your training. Keep working hard. G- gives her an order, essentially. She cries, hugs him. She says, yes, sir, back to him. Wipes away the tear. Walks back to the ship. Ship takes off, and the last shot is her hugging her toy. What's that little toy called again? The little plush toy mm-hmm. that Wrecker made for Tuka? at the beginning? It wasn't a Tuka. Can yeah, it was it? something, yeah, hugging that, like a sad little puppy, and then uh, credits roll. They've had some time together. I th- It was a couple of episodes ago, 
it came up while we were covering the show of who, who was she left to watch the ship with? I think I remember this correctly. That quest, someone was like, who was it? Because there was, you know, Omega, you, you stay with the ship. Mm-hmm. And it was her and Echo that stayed behind. Like they, yeah. they've had time together. Uh, you know, I think they have a pretty strong bond. They're both outcasts, you know, in their own right. So it's legit. It's a legit connection. They're, you know, we all felt it for a reason. Well done. All right, a little bit deeper discussion on a few points here. One we kind of touched on a bit, the social commentary. That gets into this uh, defense recruitment bill debate. Proponents on one side claim they need protection from insurgents in the mid and outer rims. The banking clan is on that side. Big shocker. So there's not only sort of like the fear of uprising, which is legitimate because it's an empire and it's a piece of shit. It's an evil empire. But people are just afraid of more war, I guess. And then the banking clan who's going to make money as every bank does when the economy is up, which it always is when there's some kind of active military campaign going on. It's like so real world. It's almost like stuff like I, I, like half of me is going, damn, that's well done. That's so good. Wow. And the other half is like, I hate the world. God, I hate the world. You know, <laughs> the opponents of this, of course, are saying rightly so that the, the war is over. This is imperial marketing. This is fear mongering bullshit. Again, more real world stuff. And Rayo Chuchi, like we said earlier, says, how can we debate commissioning a new army without a plan in place to care for our current one? That paired with the conversation she has with the clones where she drops the knowledge on them. Like, what do you think you're going to do when you're too old to fight? And they say, we're not programmed or we weren't trained to think about that possibility. That's some heavy shit, dude. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I talked about it at the end of the Clone Wars, how invested I, I became in these clones and they're called clones, but all of them as individuals, you know, how invested we all get in these characters. And this was such a palpable reminder to me of how much I care about these characters. Not one of them has a lightsaber or any kind of shit like that, but I just, I just love them so much. And I'm not, you know, I'm a pacifist. I'm not like a military joining gun toting person, but I'm like rooting for these like soldiers so much because they're just such well-written characters. It's amazing. Well, the ones we know and love are always trying to do the right thing yeah. and help people and seek out the people that are trying to hurt citizens of the galaxy. So it's like, yeah, you're not feeling that love for warmongering, gun-toting soldier types, you know, even though they are soldiers. Yeah. The clone assassin. Let's get into uh, speculation territory just a little bit. The conversation, the brief conversation right before he bites the pill is really interesting. He says to Rex, you're fighting the wrong battle, brother. You're limited. And then Rex says, what does that make you? And he replies, a believer, and then bites the pill. So what does he mean you're limited? Nick, I know you didn't watch this scene, but... No, I saw this part. Oh, you did? Okay, sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, I definitely had a question, because I was like, Whoa, wait, what? Where's this going? Like, is that a, a, spe- a specific, like a, not a, like a bad batch, like a clone, like a... Was that clone specifically made to do something? Yeah, I don't know. Limited, it's a tricky thing. Is there more to it or is it just kind of a weird thing they wrote? You know, who knows? It just seemed like such a specific word choice though, you know? I agree. I think a believer could be a believer in the empire Mm -hmm. or like, you know, Sith eternal. I mean, (laughs) yeah. How deep does that believe that line a believer go? Yeah, it just, it seemed... Very intentional, especially paired with what Rampart said to Masameda about the plan or the contingency or whatever that he has in place, assuring him that everything's going to go down fine. You know, it can't be this one dude, right? 
Maybe it is. I don't know. But it, it just seemed to imply a lot more. So that was interesting to me. Um, here's, uh, and at this point, probably unanswerable question. We've talked so much about the potential of Omega being force sensitive. This opening scene in episode nine where she's meditating, she's talking to Echo about it. She says, Gunji taught me, but it doesn't work for me the way it did for him. And Echo says, well, he's a Jedi. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go much further than that in terms of Omega's experience. But what does that imply to you guys one way or the other? I don't know. I mean, it's like little seedlings and like context clues that she might be force sensitive, you know, but I don't know. Maybe we find a way like a new storytelling to just have like a force sensitive person, not necessarily someone who's going to train to be a Jedi, mm-hmm. low level something, you know, like maybe they in a bad batch sense, she has like one specific thing that the force helps her with, you know, but she can't really train to be a Jedi or something like that. I mean, I don't know that the options are they're out there. They're definitely little seeds, though, little hints. I think most importantly, it's just keeping the story connected to the force in some way. Yeah, that's true. Where it goes from there, who knows, but it's a way to continue to incorporate what the foundation of this whole story is built on, which is light and dark. I think this is telling us that there's maybe a, one nail left in the coffin, the idea of her being force sensitive. That line. Like, do you, do you think you're going to see an episode where like there's a big Grogu breakthrough moment and she just like stops like something from falling on <laughs> Wrecker's head with the force, you know, like. I mean, you know, I'm on board for that. That would be wild. But I, I just <laughs> the wishful thinking side of my brain is hoping for that. The more rational side of my brain is saying. Okay, it doesn't work for her like it does for Gunji. So she's not. But there, there is a little more to this conversation, which is pretty cool. Echo leaving on that subject. While they're talking about meditating, Echo says he doesn't like being alone with his thoughts. And he had enough of that on Skeko Minor when he was a prisoner and he was just hooked up to the machine alone, right? He thanks the squad for rescuing him. And Omega asks if that's why he joined. And he just said, like we kind of talked about before, this is where I fit and where I was needed. Ultimately, like he's going on now with Rex because he, the other clones need him, you know, and that, that's, his, that's his mission. But does he just also want more connection with more people? Is this like small, tight-knit group not enough for him? Is he like too damaged, basically? That, you know, like he doesn't want to be alone, period, you know? Or maybe, I mean... Could be just he doesn't want to go on missions anymore. You know, like there's a, there's a bigger calling with Rex or something like that, you know? Like yeah. Bad Batch under Hunter's like leadership are just trying to find somewhere for Omega to, to grow up, but they keep going on all these missions and maybe there's just overall a, a more uh, purposeful mission for him with Rex. Could just be that simple. What does this mean for the potential clone uprising? Like everything that they said with Rampart's plan to to keep it under control the way Palpatine shut it all down he's going to help the clones with Rex they're telling us there's more but our dream scenario of this giant clone uprising what are the chances you guys think Ryan what do you think the clones that they continue to show that are conspiring to unveil the truth there's so few and like we're still seeing masses of, of clones that are just following orders and shooting other clone, you know, like would kill a clone doing something like that. So my, my question would be in the writing, how do they convince 
all, the majority, which I mean, in in the grand scheme, it's, it's probably you know ninety nine point nine nine percent of the remaining clone force that are still loyal to their commanding officers in the Empire now. How how do they convince them all to turn and rise up? Not saying it can't be done, but I think for it to be a full on clone uprising, as you say, I just want to know how they're going to get there. So how the story is going to arrive at that while so many clones are still in service and just doing what they're told. I mean, I guess the order to decommission yeah. may do it. Sure, sure. That would be my point. If you found out on the news that you were no longer needed. <laughs> yeah. Or that you're going to be killed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I think by decommissioning, certainly in, in Palpatine's terms, he would say, these, they're not people. We ordered these from a store. <laughs> right. We're just yeah. going to turn them off, you know? Take the batteries out, not or or not in essence, not spend money on any more batteries to keep them running or whatever analogy you want to make, right? So he would certainly give an order sixty six type command to just execute them all. Yeah, whether that's after he's already begun conscripting stormtroopers or whether it's the chip has that functionality and that's going to be a big reveal. Uh, Mission Impossible style when Carrie Russell has that little pill in her mm-hmm. head and it explodes and kills her <laughs> inside her brain. Yeah. Like the, maybe the chips have a self-destruct option, you know, that he could just press a button and they're all dead. Certainly that's the way, Nick. I mean, that, yeah, that the, the decommissioning is what's going to, I mean, actually now that we're talking about this and speculating, which we don't do on this show, I'm convinced now that that is going to happen. That's what it is. That's where this is all leading. They're not going to win. We know that, that, dude, one of the coolest things about this story right now is we know how it ends. You know, it's like Andor. We already know, we know the end of Cassian Andor's story, right? We, we know the stormtroopers are conscripted. We know there's no more clones left. Yeah. So whatever happens, not no more. Well, Brian's making, Brian just made a really good point in the chat, patron Brian. So we did see that one homeless clone in Obi-Wan. True. So. They couldn't have pulled the plug on all of them. So correct. But it could be like just an ultimatum kind of situation. So, yeah, okay. Like, all right. Good point. You know, take your ass to the retirement home or you're dead. Yeah. Really interesting to see how they, that that's a great point. I didn't even think about that, about that. I'm all excited about some massive battle ensuing to save them from their deaths. But you're right. There's an old man in the street. Yeah. I doubt they're going to give us backstory on that old homeless man. Yeah. So unless that old homeless man is a, a clone we already know and love, we, we, we talked about that, like, yeah, could, could have been one of the most famous characters and just, we didn't get that yet. Yeah. You know, took his chip out. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Going back real quick, Zach, the maker made a good point about, um, echo. He says the beginning of the season, he said he wanted to fight the empire and not keep doing these missions for Sid. So there you go. There was the, there was the foreshadowing. Well done. Well observed. Hey everyone, we want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's. You may know Roosevelt's as the company who makes those rad, all-over print button-downs with just about every franchise that you love. They of course have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but t-shirts, they do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. 
Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. All right, let's do a quick den of antiquities. For over a thousand generations. It is the dark saber. It's a Calicori. A Sith wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. Quick den. We've got uh, just three or four. Nick, these should all make sense to you despite not having fully seen the second episode. You want me to read them? Yeah, go for it. I'll do it. So here at the Den of Antiquities is uh, just so happens to be, I found the Den of Antiquities at Soundcheck in Nashville. <laughs> That's where we keep all of our Bayside gear. But uh, in this episode, Senator Organa's blue astromech droid R2C4 may be Kazuto's droid from Resistance. Pretty cool. Just maybe. Kazuto's R2 is blue and yellow. Bales is blue and white. There's also a white and yellow gold R2C4 on Naboo in the Phantom Menace. So there's something there. If you think about the timeline, yeah, maybe it works out and just, you know, some paint jobs back and forth here and there over the years. Mm-hmm. Or they just reuse those, those identifier numbers because mm-hmm. there are billions in the galaxy, I'm sure. Uh, this I did pick up on, and I'm glad it's in the den. So Rex's friend's garage in the Coruscant lower levels where he takes Ryo and the clone assassin. Clone Wars fans, you may recognize it from season seven as the garage owned by the Martez sisters, Rafa and Trace. I want to see them again. I know a lot of people didn't love them, but I'd be stoked to see them again. And we do have our, I believe, second instance here where a suicide pill was used. So we first saw it in Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 3, when the officer on the bridge of the ship that Bo-Katan had held at Blaster Point. Doesn't he say, like, long live the Empire or something like that? Yeah. And then bites down, and it was the same effect of, like, kind of electrocuting their whole head sort of thing. Force lightning suicide pills. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I keep out of reach of children. <laughs> yeah. All right, the speculative bonus item. Ryan, you want to take this one? Yeah, I, I was going to say this earlier in the show. When they got to the bridge of Rampart's Venator, I had a conscious thought about the Trevorrow script that had Finn and Ray and Poe, all three of them, yeah. stealing a First Order Star Destroyer and like flying it somewhere. And uh, I, I was like, I just thought, oh man, here, here it is. Fi- finally, we get to see some people we love stealing a Star Destroyer. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Whether or not... It is an actual nod to the in the script that never was or the film that never was, I guess I should say. Who knows? But super freaking cool if it was because, I mean, anybody who has the knowledge about that script, that is one of the points of like, oh, that would have been so cool to see. So that's it. I mean, those are all kind of good little juicy things. I'm sure there's a bunch of little tiny stuff, especially on Coruscant. Like I didn't mention at the top the detail that they put into these episodes. I mean, that first establishing shot of Coruscant, if you squint, that looked as good as the prequels to me, no. you know? Beautiful shit. I love seeing, like, kind of in Back to the Future, it happens too, like sky highways, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like sky roads. I love seeing that shit on Coruscant. Love it. It's so cool. All right, let's do I Love You, I Know. I love you. I know. Favorite moments, scenes, quotes, etc. Ryan, what do the patrons love? All right, I've got a couple. One from Stacy and one from Maddie. Stacy wrote a lot of cool stuff. 
I don't think she's here watching us record it, which she usually is. So she kind of gave us like a big broad, like, this is everything I think about the episodes. Uh, so I'm trying to find like kind of the favorite thing within it all. But I think one thing that's really cool in what she wrote was these episodes brought me back to Attack of the Clones and Obi-Wan doing his detective work. Mm. Even animated palps had such a scary and commanding presence. Hell yeah. I think that's really cool. And then she posted a, a screenshot also that someone posted somewhere on social media and it says, Echo is continuing what fives couldn't finish. Somebody sedate me. I can't stop crying. <laughs> so that's cool. Um, and then Maddie Gunner said, my favorite quote is from the greatest unintentional comedian in all of Star Wars. I was off by 6.4 meters. Not my best work from tech. Tick. I got to say my favorite, as I may have, may have given away in the recording uh, already, is obviously Palpatine. And Ian McDermott being the bringing the, the voice back and just God, it was chills, man. And it really did. It made me feel so emotional hearing his voice. And and it's been a minute since we've gotten a big reveal like this. I mean, this is a big deal. This plot twist and how the stormtroopers came really came to be. It's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, so it, that the whole scene is definitely my favorite takeaway. My favorite thing I'm taking away from these two episodes. But the actual dialogue, where he says. Due to the nefarious actions of Admiral Rampart and the immediacy of the bill on the floor today, it is my opinion that this legislation is our future. With this momentous act, we shall usher in a new era heralded by the Imperial Stormtrooper. I got, I got yep. all the hair standing up. It was so well performed. The, his voiceover work is just, it's just so cool that he's still a part of it and we get to hear the real thing just made my little kid star wars heart light up you know wasn't it so perfectly done how he pulled from that era palpatine in the, the place that he took his voice yeah i know that there, there are like kind of the three big palpatine eras you know there's also the different versions like the the smiling pre-sith version and then the behind the scenes sith or whatever but when you get to the rise of Skywalker, his voice is something else. It's like a different body. It's old and decroted, but he seemed to have no trouble just harnessing and nailing that original trilogy, Palpatine, like that twisted, seductive, manipulative kind of tone. I just, I just love that guy. I mean, it has like an, an orator feel to it at this yeah. part, of the, you know, in this part of the story. Nick, how about you? D despite having not seen everything fully. <laughs> I'll I'll just go with I'm I'm curious about Omega meditating. That's that's definitely. Uh, I mean, we just met. She just met Gunji last week, but clearly he made an impact, and maybe she's just feeling some intuitiveness and just interested. Uh, she's like, maybe I maybe I'm force sensitive. I don't know. There's something there. Absolutely. I do have a question though. Did I know there was some like Omega in the Senate and Palpatine in the Senate in the trailer for the Bad Batch? Did we see it all last night? It was very cleverly edited in the trailer because this, I think the shot when she first looks in and kind of has the wow moment about what the Senate is, that's before anyone's in the hall and okay. Choochie's just showing it to her. Choochie. <laughs> and then um, I, I think it just, it just cross cuts. It goes from her perspective to then the shot later when Bale shows up with the file and they show the hollow. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think they cut all of those together 
So yeah, I think we did see all of it in this episode. Yeah, but I don't think it happens at the same time, if that's what you're asking. Right. But I, it, I don't think Omega is coming back to mm-hmm. Coruscant to the Senate. Right. They're out of there. But dude, uh, one last thing to your point about being interested in, in Omega me- meditating and thinking maybe she is force sensitive, but being unsuccessful in doing what Gunji did. We did see Ray frustrated with her inability at the beginning of the Rise of Skywalker that the Jedi wouldn't speak to her. People have hurdles to get over. Mm-hmm. You never know. I mean, Obi-Wan all through that series couldn't hear Qui-Gon, couldn't communicate. It's still possible. <laughs> I don't know. Wishful thinking. You have a power I could never have. There you go. Or whatever. I mean. It's possible. I don't know if that's the exact line. I don't understand. I could yeah. never have. There you go. I love when she gets into that light British accent, that transatlantic thing. Yep. My favorite part, as basic as this is, it was just so well done. I can't not pick it. The battle when they fire up the Venator, you know, they all the stuff happens. It was so well written, blocked, and edited. It felt super cinematic. It felt as good as any other battle scene in any Star Wars film. Better than anything we've seen in a series. Just like the scale of it that they could pull off because it's full animation. The way they deployed the fighters and then the, the kind of the pace of hurry up and, you know, activate this and get the, and the files are downloading. And then you see the turrets turn and fire at those ships, the kind of, uh, whatever those are called. They're like, uh, they're kind of like proto TIE fighters in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, when they launch those. They're sort of like next generation Jedi starfighters. I would just say that because I'm looking at a Jedi starfighter now and, and that's what they're actually called. And they're pretty, even the Jedi starfighters already had like the TIE wings on the side. Dude, there is speculation um, there's this great YouTube channel, E.C. Henry is the name of the, the channel. This dude, he builds, he does 3D renders of ships and he'll take like obscure all the way in the back. I think I already said this on the episode, like like a potato stuck in the back of a fleet full of miniatures kind of thing. Zoom in and infer the shape of the ship that it might be and then build a 3D model of it. And then he has friends who are also in VFX and he'll run these like animations of this ship flying around. And then he'll write a whole fan story about like what this one ship is. He did a thing about the different TIE fighters in the evolution. And the shape of that ship looks like it's one of those things where, you know, there's some ships where George said like, I like that, but uh, this should be the front, you know, and ends up like flipping around a ship. If you flip that one backwards, it's just like Darth Maul's Sith shuttle or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, where he gets out of the ball end of it with the ramp, which is also not so different from Vader's tie that has that extended back part. So there's like this this great like interconnected uh, sort of recycling of the visual language of what a tie fighter is. And obviously there was no like committee, design committee that spanned 40 years to put it all together. But everyone pulled from the same kind of uh, basket of ingredients. I am not a committee. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's great stuff on an art level. I love it. They shoot those down. Then they fire up the engines on the, the Star Destroyer and it, the whole thing tips. And then it, all of a sudden, like, because it's tipped, every shot is like that Dutch angle. You know, it's all tilted. God, it's just so good. It's like such, such like high suspense adventure, Star Wars battle scene shit that I was like, I was watching it in bed, but I was like sitting up fully like on my knees like this, like, oh, hey, yes. So that, that's it for me. All right. We got to bounce because you guys got to bounce. I do. Next week, uh, we're back to a single episode. We're probably going to go on a quest, a side quest, but 
Maybe we won't. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we probably don't have time for shout outs and stuff. Just uh, follow us on social media at ThankTheMakerPod on Instagram and TikTok at Adam the Skull, at Nick Bayside, at William Ryan Key. Also listen to Armor Party Podcast and Princess and Scoundrel, the two other podcasts on the network. Follow them on social media. They're tagged in every post we make on our accounts. ThankTheMakerMerch.com. Go check that out and get uh, that Endor shirt that I love so much. Daughters of Ferrix. It's great. Patreon.com slash ThankTheMakerPod is where you can go if you want to directly support this podcast, get access to our Discord server, get bonus content, and listen to us and watch us record live right here like these patrons are doing. These patrons that we love and appreciate so much. Mosh Eisley. Oh, and Mosh Eisley. <laughs> Tickets are on sale. They include th- three tiers. The fourth tier is sold out already. We have a general admission ticket. We have a general admission ticket plus an exclusive T-shirt. And then we have a general admission ticket plus a T-shirt, a lanyard with an exclusive laminate, a poster. Um, early access, meet and greet. Early access. Yeah, we're going to have uh, like a cantina hour before where we'll be hanging, taking pictures, just chilling, listening to cantina music before it really gets into full emo mode. That is the Chosen One merch and experience bundle. Go to moshisley.com to uh, get the link to those tickets by Mosh Isley Merch. And that's, uh, that's a wrap. Until next week, may the force be with you. Mm-hmm.